Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. I'm Tony Crisp, and this is podcast number 30. And this is the day when I take some of your questions that you've written in and some of you have asked me personally. And uh, recently I was on a trip when someone asked me about sinless perfection in this life. They had been involved in a denomination that taught total sanctification in this life. And um, so I want to answer that question today, at least from an introductory standpoint, and answer the question scripturally from 1 John chapter 2. As you know, 1 John chapter 2 is part of this epistle that deals with believers. The gospel of John, according to the last two chapters and the last verses of those chapters, say that the purpose of the gospel of John was so that people might understand who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, and that they might believe in his name. Now, that's a clearly stated purpose of the gospel of John. It shows the divinity, the divine nature of Jesus, and John picks seven miracles that only God could do, that is, seven signs, Simeon, that he gives that Jesus did, and he even testifies that many other miracles did Jesus do that are not written in this book. So he chose seven, and seven sayings or seven discourses, that is, things that Jesus said that only God himself, only God would himself say, He delineated those so that the Jewish people and the Gentile world would know that Jesus not only talked the talk of God, but he walked the walk of God. But 1 John was written not for unbelievers, but primarily for believers. And over and over again, he calls them my little children. He writes in 1 John chapter 5 that he is writing to this who believe in the Son of God that they might have assurance and confidence in his name. So when the question comes up, will we in this life be able to accomplish sinless perfection? The short answer is no, it's not scriptural. The fact is, as long as we are in this world, we will sin because we have a sin nature that is within us that's not obliterated. The world that is against us, the world order that is under our enemy's control, he is the prince and power of the air. Uh, He is under God's thumbnail, yes. He's under God's control, yes. But God gives him great variance to move throughout the world with his demons in this present age. And then the enemy himself, the devil. So we're constantly going to be bombarded, and we do sin. And Christians are not sinless. After you're saved, you still sin. But we should sin less as we mature in the Lord and not be continually tripped up with the same things we always have been. And so after John has just said, if we say we have no sin and that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word is not in us. That's in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 10. There is no paragraph break in the Greek text. He goes right in to say, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. In other words, the purpose of the Christian life is to be like Jesus, who was sinless. So we need to continually be fighting against the temptations of our enemy. He says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus the Righteous One. 
Well, that word, and if, is a first-class conditional sentence in the Greek text. Now, that is a sentence that is structured in the indicative mode. It's an indication. It's an indictment. And so it is many times translated in this particular class of sentence, not if, but when or since. The assumption is it's going to happen. And so he says, if anyone sins could be translated and probably should be translated when anyone sins. That is, children of God, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Now, in the previous podcast, I talked about the accuser, the one who is standing against us, the prosecuting attorney. He is constantly accusing us, and any child of God can give ample testimony to that. One of the ways you can know whether you're being bombarded by the enemy, the devil, or whether you are being convicted by the Holy Spirit, remember this simple thing. The Holy Spirit only deals with unconfessed sin. The enemy only deals with confessed sin. The Holy Spirit brings sin to our minds so that we might be convicted, so we might be aware of it, so we might turn from it, repent of it, and begin to walk a life of obedience. The enemy will deal with confessing what you've already dealt with, and he will bring it back to your mind and try to get you to remember how bad you are and how unworthy you are, and he beats us to the ground, and we beat ourselves up, and we do that many times over sin that we have already confessed and dealt with. Now, sometimes we think we've dealt with something, but we've not. But once you have confessed to God, you have followed his remedies, you have done all that you can do, then you have to place that sin in the hand of God. And the Bible says, your sins I will remember no more. They will not have influence over me. Why? Because he looks at the righteous life, the perfect, obedient life of Jesus. And that's why it says, when anyone sins, we have a defense attorney, an advocate. He stands up for us. And it is the one who is Jesus, the Messiah, the Christos, the righteous one. He is totally righteous. The enemy could find nothing in him, and so he is totally obedient to God. And he himself is our propitiation. That means he is our place for mercy. He is our mercy seat, and he is the atonement for us, for our sins, not for ours only, but for all the sins of the world. You see, when the enemy comes against you, and he comes against me, and he accuses us, what we need to do is turn to the Lord and confess our sins and repent. But once we've done that, we can honestly go to our Heavenly Father and say, Dear Father, I want to ask you to deal with the enemy because I have already settled this when I came to you. And the Lord Jesus will be your defense, and he will give you a peace that passes all understanding. So please stand against the enemy, but understand In this life, you're going to fall. And when you fall, repent of it and begin to walk in a new obedience to God. Charles Grandison Finney, the great revivalist, defined revival as nothing more, nothing less than the beginning of a new obedience to God. May that be our prayer as we walk on the way. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast.
That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.